0: Hello, folks. I'm Elijah. This is the What Are You All About podcast. Today, we have Justin Jones from Idol Threat on the show. And we discuss everything from what it was like growing up with his dad being a pastor and his mother being a school teacher to how he started going to shows at a really young age and how he got into metal at an even younger age. I won't spoil it, but he did get into it at a fairly young age in comparison to most people and we also discuss how social media affects us and the way we kind of deal with that and maybe don't use it as much as other people and also why the chariot is an amazing band and also about the healthy side of deconstruction and how that helped Justin so yeah there's a lot in this episode I really enjoyed it and yeah folks let's get right into it
1: you're listening to the what are you all about podcast
0: great hello folks i'm elijah today we've got justin jones from idle threat justin
1: how are you doing what's up i'm doing good i'm doing good a little tired but you know can't (laughs) complain too much
0: (laughs) fair deuce so yeah we usually well we not usually we always start off this podcast with the most shotgun question um, what are you all about? So, Justin, how do you describe what are you all about?
1: <laughs> so, I tried to do my homework and I listened to a few of the podcasts uh, oh. before hopping on with you. Um, and it's still such an abrasive question uh, because <laughs> you have to really dive deep and, and think about all of the things that make up who you are as a person. But I, I tried to think of what could sum all that up. And I mm-hmm. I zeroed in on just community Hmm. Um, I think community is very important for me um, in every aspect of my life Um, and I'm very uh, like grateful to have music and my family and my friends and then like I'm a pretty simple dude so like I love cooking for people so like the community that cooking brings together um, and then also like I'm I'm wearing a Preds jersey. Um our season actually started today. So uh, I love sports, um, the community that surrounds it. And um, you know, I, I'm sure we'll we'll dive more into that as uh this podcast rolls on. But yes, yeah, community is the word that I'm sticking with.
0: Yes. So how did you land in a place where like yo, community is the most important thing that I'm all about?
1: Um it, it's weird because I'm like I'm the most like extroverted introvert you'll ever meet (laughs) or, you know, the other way around. But I, I guess like it really stems from the, the life that I had like in my childhood. So Mm -hmm. like, and we'll go ahead and knock this out. But like my, my father is a preacher um, and my mom's a school teacher. So I see, when I, I was younger, it was just like, go, go, go. Like we're doing this church event. We have this school event. Like my sister played sports. I stayed busy with like running around and, and doing like school stuff and like also yeah. like hanging out with friends and all that. So um, a- a- as much as I like to be like individualistic, I also really love um finding where I fit in the puzzle of like a group. And I think hmm. that that's just important. Um yeah
0: (laughs) yeah so like really busy childhood and like through that you like learned all about community or I guess like got chucked into like being into it all the time basically yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah I get you with like the introverted extrovert thing because I very much land in that boat of I can spend like ages and ages on my own But Mm -hmm. I also, like, love random interactions with strangers and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I'm, like, that sort of a person where, yeah, I can be very happy either way. I think partly because, like, I had to... I moved to Scotland when I was 10, so I, like, had to start fresh with friends and things like that. So I think partly because of that, that forced me to, like... Partly get better at making brand- friends, but also get better at like figuring out how to just be by myself in that. So it's kind of yeah. like yeah.
1: It I mean it challenges it challenges you as an individual, um, like to learn how to honestly make yourself like happy, but also it it stretches like your boundaries of like socialization and like you know how you're going to interact with like this group of friends compared to another group of friends and um mm-hmm. ultimately i think if you can find that healthy balance of being content on your own or within a group it's it's a beautiful thing really
0: yeah i'd yeah. be curious to get into like you both had church and school um i'm curious like with how those affected you differently like i'm probably more curious about the school one because I was homeschooled yeah. and people yeah, always yeah. say that being homeschooled affects your socialization, which I have a bunch of disagreements with. I'm not saying you're saying that, <laughs> but I'm just, I'd be curious to like hear what do you think you got from that?
1: Um, So there's a lot of good and bad that mm-hmm. came from the school that I came from. Um, I only attended one school um, my entire life for well, like elementary, middle and high school. Um, okay. I don't really know how they do it over where <laughs> you're at. Uh, but yeah. yeah, so I attended one private Christian school all the way through, um, kindergarten to 12th grade. And right. there are a lot of great people there. Um, there are a lot of great teachers that I had, but, um, in like a social setting it, like I said, they're, they're just good and bad things. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, Overall, I, I feel like I stayed pretty engaged, like, you know, I didn't really have, like, beef with anybody. Um, the majority of the time, I, as an individual, felt supported, but I also felt like I was supportive of other people within that system, but I also was yeah. aware of some of the other things that were, like, kind of going on, so that that could be a big mess. I know I'm being vague, but if I started talking (laughs) about my school, it would, it would be the rest of this podcast. So, um, but yeah, like in, in, in terms of like you homeschooling, I, I actually, um, uh, started working at a learning center recently. Um, I, I used to teach preschool if you can believe that. Um, but one of the kids that I have now, um, I'm doing his homeschooling, um, and he's, he's in sixth grade. Um, he's like 11 or 12 years old. And it's been really cool because I know that he stays engaged with like other groups of people and stuff like that. So like he's playing sports and yeah. and his family go to church. And, you know, I know he has friends outside of what his typical school system would be. So, yeah, I, I, I got your back when you say that, you know, all the <laughs> homeschool kids are, you know, not socialized well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think the one other thing is that I think we're better at socializing with people outside of our age groups because it seems from the outside that you learn how to socialize well with people your age in school, mm-hmm. but not necessarily much outside of that. So yeah. that seems to be like when it comes to socialization, how homeschooling trumps public schooling a bit.
1: Yeah. So I totally agree. I think I think it does leave a little more honestly, like homeschooling in the pros that it has, it, it gives opportunities for kids to be a little more um, just like free. I know that's a generalization too, but like, it's just, (laughs) there, there's so much that can go along with a kid being able to be outside of the parameters of a public school or a private school. Um, And uh, yeah, just like a disclaimer too. like, I could talk about this stuff all day. I'm a (laughs) big psychology nerd um, and like, you know, I've worked with kids for the past, like, m- well, longer than a decade now, uh, wow. which is crazy, but, um, yeah, I, I love this. So I'm over here. Geeking <laughs> out. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: fantastic. So yeah. How do you think being a pastor's kid affected you and being like in all of that were like the pros and cons of growing up in that environment?
1: Um, so I'll start off by saying like my, my dad is awesome. Um, he like primarily works in like inner city ministry. Um, and like, you know, I'm from Nashville. So I, I, my sister and I joke all the time that you can't really go anywhere in Nashville without bumping into somebody that knows our dad. Um, (laughs) and like, he's a phenomenal preacher. He really has a heart for other people. Um, and he raised me, Right. In in those ways to like kind of implement um, those beliefs. Um, But also like, you know, I I think in terms of being a pastor's kid, like generally people kind of look at you and you're like, oh, like this is that pastor's kid. You're you're either going to be zero or 100. So like you're either like Mm. an absolute troublemaker and like you're (laughs) doing everything opposite of what you've been taught or you're just like a goody two shoes like you know, right to the T, like you're just doing everything right, you know, quote unquote. Yeah. But, um, I feel like I kind of landed somewhere in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, it was interesting growing up a a pastor's kid. Um, a lot of the cliches are true. I mean, like I, I play in a, you know, a band and we've toured and like, you know, I don't know, you could throw out a lot of the cliches and stuff, but generally speaking, I haven't caused too much trouble. So, Mm -hmm. uh, in relation to the good and bad of, you know, growing up with that, it, it, it was mostly good.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think partly I'm a pastor's kid. So it's like very interesting from that perspective of yeah. like, I think, I don't know. I feel like I've also landed in the middle of, I'm not like what people would expect for yeah. a pastor's kid. Like I haven't necessarily kept within the mold. Um, but that's largely more in terms of appearances and things. So yeah, um in that respect but it's very interesting seeing like the other end of pastor's kids where they just go off the rails a bit and it's like right this is an interesting event but (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's i don't know i think partly because i'm 17 i've probably not processed it all that much but yeah
1: Yeah, it's, and it's a lot. And like, you know, as you you continue to like grow, like you, you learn more, you experience more, you know, you can kind of unpack a lot of things from your childhood um, that maybe you didn't even like, like you said, fully process yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, And like, you know, it's not like I have all the answers. I'm only 27. Yeah. Um, But you know. (laughs) we're 10 years apart, you know, there's probably mm-hmm. somebody at 37 that's saying something very similar where it's like, hey, you know, like I'm living my life, I'm still figuring it out. Um, yeah. you know, there 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 is good and bad in everything, man. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. I know I keep saying that. It's just it's just <laughs> something that rings very very true. Mhm. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. I think probably the one thing I will say is that in terms of dads, I've a fantastic one. He's like He's very gracious and good at owning his mistakes. So oh, I think that's, in terms that's great. of in terms of those things, like I've definitely got quite a solid dad in those respects. Yeah. Not just like as being a pastor's kid, but like all that. So yeah, for all the listeners who are wondering, but I'm interviewing <laughs> you here. So <laughs> <laughs> um, how did you get into music in that because that's probably why folks are listening to this because they know you from idol threat or your grandma Um, or something
1: it's funny it's a perfect segue because it also was my dad (laughs) (laughs) um so my my dad grew up playing drums and um Mm -hmm. you know he he did like marching band and like all that kind of stuff but he he's a big like classic rock fan like Mm -hmm. most of our dads probably are um And at a young age, he turned me on to, um, you know, like the, the greats, uh, like, uh, one of his favorite bands is Rush. And of course, Neil Pert, um, rest in peace, uh, probably best drummer to ever do it. And then, you know, he, he also is a big, like, I don't know, like Eagles and ACDC and Metallica and like, you know, all, all the great, great rock bands. Right. So like yeah. when I was young, I got into that and, um. You know, he would, he and I would listen to a lot of music together. And I always just, you know, was, I would watch him like he would like play drums on the table with his fingers and stuff like that. And like, of course, then I was getting in trouble at school for like drumming on my desk with my pencils, <laughs> and this, you know, thing, th- things like that. So that that's how like yeah. the foundation was kind of laid. Um, But I'll say kind of shifting into more of our scene mm-hmm. um, was like the first time that I ever Got into um, more of like the metalcore, hardcore side of music. Um, was I had gone with my dad to um this like like faith, like youth conference thing uh that was in uh Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And they had like all these like booths set up where like people were like selling like CDs and magazines and all sorts of stuff. And yeah. my mom and I were like walking around and I don't really remember what the booth was but I remember like looking at CDs and the first two CDs that I bought with my own money um I was probably around like nine or ten or something but I bought um August Burns Red's Thrill Seeker um and then Aslay Dying's uh Frail Words Collapse and that is like a turning point in my life honestly <laughs> <I'm> uh, <laughs> I could have been normal listening to like all the all these other like pop music and all that but that didn't happen so <laughs> on that day when I bought those CDs everything kind of changed for me so
0: <laughs> I'm just picturing me seeing a nine-year-old doing that and I think I would have like congratulated him and be like keep going down that path you're doing <laughs> the right thing with your life <laughs> it's an amazing age to just like be like yo can i buy this august burns red cd
1: <laughs> i remember like uh the guy that was like running that booth was just kind of like it was like so excited and <laughs> I, I remember my mom just being like have you have you heard of these bands and i was like no and <clears throat> basically i was like but it looks like you know like a uh a, a a nice like heavy rock record so like that's why (laughs) i bought them um and here i am now (laughs) yes
0: i i think in terms of idol threats music it sounds like hardcore for people who like indie music basically which (laughs) i guess is the whole post hardcore scene in a nutshell but like it's almost annoying because like the music is like top quality, and then I want to show it to my mates, but they won't like the screaming. So yeah. it's like, <laughs> it's in that boat of things.
1: We we're an interesting bunch for sure, and like you know, I don't want to sound like I'm, <clears throat> like, I don't know the right word. I don't want to sound like arrogant or anything, but mm-hmm. I, I I definitely feel like we're doing something that's very um new um i i didn't want to say different but new um uh, because we all come from different like musical backgrounds like uh we all have a lot of like favorites that overlap but we're all drawing inspiration from different things we're all like influenced by different artists we're listening to different artists um it it's just very interesting to have that like mix um mm-hmm. in a writing room um and I know that when we approach writing songs, it's just kind of like, you know, we're not going, okay, we're making a really heavy song here. Or, hey, we're writing a really soft song here. It's just kind of like, hey, this feels like this. Let's do this. Yeah. And we have that dynamic to where, like, we can play the soft songs, but also, like, we can, like, have a breakdown here or something like that, you know? Yeah. And I, I think that that, it keeps it fun and new and refreshing. And, um yeah, so... Yeah, there's a lot to unpack with that too, so I'm <laughs> sorry for dropping all of that, but yeah, like, Idle Threat's fun, and um, it, it <laughs> definitely is keeping things interesting, so.
0: Yes, so how did you get from, like, being nine and buying August Burns Red and As I Lay Dying <laughs> to being, like, 27 and playing in a post-hardcore band?
1: Um, Like, so, I was pretty young when I started going to shows, too. Um, oh, right. There was a place in Nashville called Rocket Town that I, spend, I spent a lot of my time there growing up. Um, so, like, my older sister was kind of into the same music that I was. So, like, we went to some shows and stuff together. Uh, but I was constantly, like, going out to, like, the local shows and just trying to get involved with, like, the metal scene and, like, the okay. hardcore scene and stuff. So I you know jumped into it as a young buck and kind of never got out um and it has either completely ruined my life or made my life I can't really decide which one yet but um yeah like I I just always loved the music and going to the shows and being a part of that community and um you know it got to a point where I was like I really want to like try to be in a band um and I I Kind of had some friends that I jammed with and stuff, but nothing really ever clicked until uh, Zeke and Ernie and I got together. And then then it clicked, and here we are uh, coming up on our eighth year together. And, you know, we're signed to Tooth and & Nail, and we yeah. have a record out, and um, we're going to start writing a new record, so that'll be fun. And, you know, yeah, it's just, it's a very long journey, but it's been, it's been worth it, so.
0: Yeah, for sure. I'm curious, like, do you remember what age exactly did you start going to shows and what age did – no, not what age. What did you think, like, at your first few shows about the atmosphere of, like, a metal or a hardcore show?
1: So there's a couple different ways I can take this question. Um, But I, all I know is that I was, like, younger. <laughs> so I was probably, like, 12 or 13 when I right. started like, going to see – see like local bands and stuff play. Yeah. Um which like looking back on is like really cool. So mm-hmm. all credit to my sister and like her friends and stuff for dragging the little kid out, but um yeah, I I and I I mentioned Rocket Town. I spent a lot of time there but kind of getting into like my early teens and late teens, um I'm sure you've heard of A plea for Purging before. Yeah. Um so one of my favorite bands ever um I've, I saw them probably like 30 times just because they were (laughs) my hometown heroes. Um, But like, I, I spent so much time, like, you know, listening to that music, going to those shows, you know, I had friends that like I made in that community. And like, Mm -hmm. like I said, I just stayed a part of it. And here I am at 27, still, still in Nashville Um, Now I'm playing music here, but, like, I still go to the shows as much as I can, and I have a lot of friends that are playing here that are in awesome bands. Um, It's just such a blessing.
0: Yeah. What would you say the vibe of Nashville is like? Because, like, for someone from me who's, like, quite far from that, like, you hear a lot of people saying it's, like, quite a music city, like, artistic vibe of a place, but, like, how would you describe it for folks who haven't never like gotten near there
1: yeah so nashville i guess on a broader scope um it is called music city for a reason (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) um the good thing about it is that there are a lot of really beautiful talented people here like Mm -hmm. you can you know look in any direction and you know be five, 10 minutes away from a venue that has somebody that's really, really good at what they're doing up on stage. Hmm. Um, and like, it's not just country. A lot of people think it's just, you know, (laughs) country and bluegrass music, but like Nashville has a really good, um, indie scene and pop scene. Um, you know, obviously the country and stuff's going on. Um, growing up, I was in like the, you know, underground metal scene or whatever you want to call it and it it was thriving um mm-hmm. and like yeah like i guess just broad scope like there's so much music going on <laughs> um you know i a week ago was at like a jazz show um and i still like you know have been popping in and out of the hardcore shows and like yeah. you know i know for a hot minute we had a nice rap scene going <laughs> um it, it's just it's it's so cool to be living in a city where at any given night there's something really cool going on in the music world
0: yeah that sounds pretty epic i'm curious what was your jazz show like because i want to go to one sometime because that sounds like an absolute vibe
1: yeah yeah so it was just this little like lounge and i honestly can't even tell you who was like playing but it (laughs) it was so cool because like that's not typically the shows like the shows that i go to it's like i am so used to going to like punk shows now to where it's yeah. like you know you're you see like pits and crowd surfing and like all that kind of stuff and i love it. it's very high energy but then you go to a show like that and it's well i don't even know if i can call it a show but you know you, you're seeing music like that and people are just chilling like having a good time like and there's there's beauty in that too hmm. you know uh, yeah. and uh <sighs> I, I wish I was smarter <laughs> than I am <laughs> so that I could, like, appreciate jazz more. Um, But, you know, it's it's nice to, like, get out of your comfort zone and experience new things. And um, I don't know. Like, I would encourage anybody to go get outside of their comfort zone and go see some music you haven't really seen before. So Yeah,
0: for sure. Was it, like, a mate who was like, yo, we should go to this jazz show? Or were you just thinking, like, you know what, jazz show? <laughs>
1: Yeah. So it was kind of a happy accident because it was like I had I had dinner with a friend and it was like, hey, let's like go grab a drink or something after this. And we just kind of stumbled upon it. (laughs) Um, And those are truthfully like the best, best nights, you know, like you're going out to do something as simple as grabbing a burrito with a friend or something. And then you end up at a, you know, a a pop up show or I, I don't know, like I'm I'm a pretty simple dude so like i i just love like the small things in life yeah so you know a a night as simple as like yeah we're gonna grab dinner and then maybe we'll pop over to like this like bar and maybe somebody's playing perfect you know Mm -hmm. like that's chef's kiss from (laughs) me (laughs) so
0: yes for sure like something i've been finding myself is that i don't necessarily like large groups for me like the perfect sort of thing is like two or three people yeah it's like perfection for like mm-hmm. a meet up like just like three lads on a walk or whatever that's like amazing
1: yeah yeah my my absolute favorite thing to do in the world is literally just have like like a fire in the backyard with some friends that's yeah. that's it you know like there's really nothing else to add to it or anything you know you're just kind of sitting out on the, a nice chilly night with a fire Oh, that's the thing (laughs) in the world.
0: Yeah, for sure. Fires are... Fires are vibes in and of themselves, I think. I've absolutely no clue if science backs this up, but in my head, I have a theory that part of why we like phones so much is because they have, like, some sort of a resemblance of fire in, like, the Mm -hmm. way they express light. So...
1: Interesting. I I hey like I said big big psych nerd over here so (laughs) I'll try to find you some sort of like empirical study that I can send you (laughs) if that if that lines up with anything I got you
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you do how did you get into like psychology and that and like what keeps you interested in it
1: yeah so um that's a great question uh so When I started working with kids, um, it was when I was about like 15, 16. So I started helping my dad at his inner city ministry and um, I just kind of like tutored kids and then like, you know, we played games with them and stuff like that. So from there, ended up working at um, the old school that I had gone to, uh, but I had graduated from there and I started working in their like aftercare program and I kind of worked my way up from there um and ended up like i was like a substitute teacher and i i taught gym at one point if <laughs> you can believe that um and then i ended up being one of the pre-k teachers there and mm-hmm. i think like just in summation like trying to make this like quick uh <laughs> i've just always been inter- interested in like lifespan development but also okay. how like the brain works and also like develops. Mm-hmm. So when I went back to college uh, the second time, um, I was like, yeah, I'm definitely going to focus on like psychology and uh, child development. Um, and I recently got my bachelor's and I'm actually in grad school right now for applied psych, but long-term I want to be like uh an elementary guidance counselor, um, and then just dive into like mental health therapy. Um, so that's like the long-term goal, but it, it it is ultimately about, uh, kids for me. Um, I, I, I absolutely love like that. My parents are, um, you know, working in inner city ministry with children. And then also like my mom is a teacher. So we are, it, it, in my sense we are helping establish that community and being able to pour our energy um into children um mm-hmm. so that you know they can live their best potential so um and yeah I, again i could talk for hours about this <laughs> so i'll try to cut myself off but um if that answers your question that is why i love psychology yes. um because i think kids are cool they're they're awesome um and the brain is very very interesting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure there's like enough in that to go on for like lifetimes to try and figure out. Yeah. And then you yeah. still won't quite get it. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> I I tried doing a psychology course once, but it was just not well put together. It wasn't that the psychology side of things was bad. It was just the actual course itself wasn't. But I think, like, even with that basic intro, it's like, maybe I'll get into this more sometime. We'll see. But, yeah, it's not, like, top of the list for things I want to do with my life. But, like, if an opportunity came up, then... Yeah. Yeah. I'm <laughs> I'm very much, like, an impulsive, like, ooh, we could do this sort of thing, person. Let's do that. So who you knows maybe that'll happen one day we'll be like you know what psychology course
1: <laughs> i mean hey if i can offer you any advice it's to just wear as many hats as possible yeah. because like you know i when we first started touring you know people are like oh what do you do back home and all this stuff and i was like i'm a pre-k teacher and they're like really <laughs> and i'm like yeah I'm, I'm, I'm a pre-k teacher uh And then like, when I went back to college and stuff, it was just like, yeah, like at home, I'm like, you know, I'm a bartender, but I'm also in like school to be like a a mental health therapist. And then my band is playing here and, you know, in my free time, I'm doing this and it's just, you know, so you'll, you'll, you'll reach burnout eventually, (laughs) but just push through it, you know, like just wear yourself absolutely thin and do as many things as you can get your hands on. Yeah. (laughs)
0: for sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes so what are like random side hobbies that you do that some folks might be like yo that's cool
1: Ooh, uh i really i don't know you didn't know um yeah like i know i said that i'm kind of like i'm just a simple dude I i really am Fetus? like i yeah. i love listening to music and yes. watching sports i play some video games sometimes <laughs> that's that's about it um a couple of years ago before covid um i was like trying to learn how to play hockey um and kind of gave up on that because of covid but oh that's probably the coolest thing that i i guess that i do i, I don't <laughs> besides, know besides like um ma- maybe like i'll pick it bunch? back up who knows yeah <laughs>
0: yes did you ever pick up like street hockey and that sort of thing just like vibing with your mates or
1: yeah so that's actually primarily what we did is we would um a couple of us had like roller skates and stuff and i bet it had to be hilarious watching (laughs) like a bunch of like mid 20 year old dudes getting together in a parking lot trying to like skate around and like falling over and stuff but it it was an absolute blast um and now that I'm reminiscing, uh, the second this interview ends, I'm going to text my friends and be like, yo, we should do this <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: fantastic. Yeah, so like I'm originally from Canada, so like I grew up cool. playing like street hockey, like no roller skates or nothing, just like running it a- around with like a ball yeah. and some sticks kind of vibes and like two rocks and maybe a proper goal if you're lucky. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that. I maybe one day we'll be able to do a pickup game together yes. that would be sick I, yes.
0: come to scotland and like in the streets of glasgow we'll just like grab a bunch of folks and go for it yeah
1: <laughs> that's that is an absolute deal if i can ever get overseas we'll we'll do that <laughs>
0: legendary oh uh, yeah so speaking of shows in that what are like some of the like most interesting shows like do you have any funny tour stories or just like crazy ones or because you said you've been yeah town, i got like... plenty <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i'm sure <laughs> so go for it Uh,
1: i'll I'll start with kind of a boring one but um right i think my favorite show my favorite show that idol threat has ever played um was probably when we just recently played the House of Blues um on that labeled fest tour. Right. Um so it was us and Watashi, Watashiwa, um Aaron Gillespie, Norma Jean, and Emory. Mm-hmm. And um it was just so cool because like that's such a legendary venue. Yeah. Um and like there were a lot of people there and we're <laughs> just like not used to playing to that many people. Yeah. Uh so that was really cool. Um, but they, that is the most like pampered I think we've ever been to because it was like, you know, we walk into a green room and there's catering and like they just like were so nice to us and there's people like moving your stuff for you and all this and I'm like, hey, like I can take care of this, like you don't have to and they're like, no, 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 this is what we get paid for and I'm like, okay, this is weird. Like, do I really not have, like I just have to play tonight and then just get to hang out? That's so weird to me. Like, we're not working. Yeah. Um. But, you know, the crowd was so cool. Everyone was so nice. Like San Diego, I had never been there before. It was beautiful. Um, And I just, you know, all the bands that we were playing with, I just love all of them. They're great dudes. They make great music. That's my favorite show we've ever played. Um, But then there's the not-so-pretty side of things, and there is a laundry list of places and shows that we have had that I just cannot believe uh <laughs> i experienced those things <laughs> um sure. but whew, i i'm trying to think of the best story i can tell quickly but we um
0: if there's like a long played... one that's good go for it
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> i i will share um i'll share a house show we played in in birmingham alabama this was like one of the very first tours the Idle Threat ever went on so we rolled up to this house, and they, the person that b- booked the show, let us in through like the back of the house. <laughs> but it looked like the door had kind of been like kicked in. Oh dear! And then there, I I remember there was this like blanket or something that was kind of just like hanging there. It was really it was really weird from the get go. Of course. So we go in to where the venue is, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And it's this basement that there are literally, like, piles of dirt in. And, like, it was just, like, this really gross, unfinished basement yeah. in the bottom of this house. And it was, like, kind of damp. It smelled really bad. Um, Within the first, like, you know, 10 minutes, there's, like, this random dude that's, like, yo, like, do y'all have any, like, acid? And we're like, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> like... I got some beef jerky in the van that you can have. But like, um, And then, like, no one came to that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just going to hit the high points. But, like, no one came to that show. Um, there was, like, a fireworks show outside going on. <laughs> um, one of the guys in our tour party got absolutely oh, hammered. Dear. So we were, like, kind of babysitting him all night. Of course. And then there was, like, this one girl that just – to keep it G-rated, like wanted attention from everybody. And that was really annoying. Um and we all ended up sleeping in the front front of this house on like the hardwood floor. And like I remember in the middle of the night, this person just like barges in the front door and they're listening they have like a, a, a radio that they're carrying <laughs> and they're listening to like a replay of like a baseball game from like the 70s or something so i was like what is going on (laughs) like this is the weirdest vibe i have ever like experienced um and then there's some other crazy stuff that happened Mm -hmm. with that show too but it's just like those are the types of shows that hits you when you're playing them that's like oh my gosh what like why am i here right now (laughs) this is this is real no no one else is doing this you know
0: yes house shows are such like an interesting concept because it's like something that only really works in like the hardcore scene when you have like a group I of agree. folks like that <laughs> like if you imagine yeah. pop artists trying to do that no way that would work out
1: yeah and like you know just for some redemption stories like like we've played some really weird places that were really mm-hmm. sick too so like we played um uh in southern illinois we played a a house that they called the cesspool um which literally the basement had flooded the night before so it was like super super damp down there but they packed like 80 ish people Mm -hmm. into that basement and everyone went nuts for everybody so that was like really really cool
0: that's fantastic i think the zooming's about to time out so i i was i I I think i'll just kill it (laughs) and then start a new one
1: you're listening to what are you all about podcast
0: so yeah we was discussing house shows and he was trying to redeem them after your wild house show story
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah and you know i've seen a lot of bigger bands play house shows mm-hmm. too that that were awesome like yeah you know i've seen counterparts in a house i've seen gideon in a house i've seen knocked loose in a house Yo. like <laughs> It's wild, man. Like, if you if you can get that many people that, you know, love your music in a small space like that, it, mm-hmm. it really is something special. I'm um, sure. Yeah, so, like, where you're at, do y'all do house shows and stuff?
0: Not that I'm aware of, though. That's probably be- partly due to the fact that I'm not a part of the scene o- enough. There is a okay. video, though, of the Chariot playing a house show like oh, 40 minutes it. from me so that <laughs> that that's like the one thing where i'm like they must be happening that was like what it was probably at least 10 years ago probably more that that happened yeah. but like that's like maybe 40 minutes from me so yeah you-
1: that's oh, man <laughs> and i could talk about the chariot forever too <laughs> uh, one of the best bands to ever do it i have a giant Chariot tattoo on my thigh. Amazing. Um, you know, man, I could. Ooh, David Kennedy, one of my favorite drummers ever. Um, you know, and also like just to follow all this stuff up with, with talking about the Chariot. Like, I also really love '68. Um, yeah. and David's band, uh, the Threats. Um, Fever's pretty cool. You know, like I pretty much everything those guys have touched. I. Just love.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I with the Chariot, like, I really love the album Long Live, but I've just, like, struggled to get into their other music, not because it's bad, but it's just, like, it's not sticked, if that makes sense. Like, it's, like, tunes where you're, like, this is a vibe, it's just not sticking in my head. So, so like,
1: I'm, go, go ahead, sorry. <laughs> so, like,
0: the album Long Live, like, I know, like, all the songs really well. then like the rest of that it's kind of like i want to get into it i've just not done that yet
1: yeah i so the the chariot it's such a big entity to like break down (laughs) um i'm sure but but also they were such a live band Mm -hmm. like their records are great and i i do think that they wrote good songs but it's like if you really never got to experience them live, it yeah. doesn't really click the way that it should. Um, and I'm assuming you never got to see them, which is no. a bummer, mm-hmm. but like, <laughs> yeah, tears are streaming down our faces <laughs> right now. Um, but like that band, it, it, it scratched an itch for me, even at a young age mm-hmm. where like, I believe that like music should be so, creative but also like it it should push boundaries Mm -hmm. to where like like i mean you could throw out the cliches too like sometimes they weren't even like playing their instruments they were like throwing their stuff around and like (laughs) jumping off stage and like all this stuff but there's something so cool about that to where it it really did go against the grain and like i think a lot of hardcore and like metal bands are able to do this to where like they're not really technically like playing their instruments as they should quote unquote Mm -hmm. um they're being a little more creative um and expanding the world of music rather than just playing you know we're going to play to a a click and we're going to do these like scales and play these notes and all this stuff, man, sometimes it's it's better for you to just get in a room and jam with your friends and groove to it. You know, like um, find that feeling and chase it like that. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've always loved. So that's why the chariot clicked with me so much is because, you know, you would give them 30 minutes. They would show up in a live setting and just, blast through their songs and people connected to them Mm -hmm. um and going back to what i i was talking about at the beginning is it really is all about that community um for me as a listener going to shows you know i want to be involved with like that crowd and like kind of get lost in the music and Mm -hmm. not worry about what's going on outside of those four walls um and then like as a performer, you know, like I'm not the best drummer in the world. I I know that. But like when I play, it's like I'm going to be in this zone hmm. and I'm I'm here to entertain and I'm here to be connected with the people that are connected to our music. Yeah. So um, and I joke all the time that I want to write a book that <laughs> that's like the chariots philosophy with music and how it like integrates <laughs> yes. with like all these other musicians That'd and stuff. So but, good. we'll see if i ever get to that
0: yes i'm my older sister's like a spoken word poet and i showed her some of the chariots lyrics and she was like yo this needs to be made into a poetry book and i was like (laughs) yeah it does
1: yeah because like it's musical
0: chaos but lyrical
1: yeah absolute genius Mm -hmm.
0: it's like perfection when it comes to lyricism. It's like if it was just chaotic music with like decent lyrics, I'd be like, "Okay," but like the lyrics make it pure art in a way. Um like I'm sure if you see them live, it's like that much more like this is an artistic thing, but
1: yeah. It's it's it was so special. And I mean, I, I only got to see them like a couple times, but mm-hmm. um you know, I I think relating that to other music and i guess trying to with my own band i i think it's it's special when um lyrics have a little more depth um and also like can connect with people in multiple different ways yeah um so one of the cool things that's happened with my band recently was um you know, like I, I get on to my mates all the time about like, you know, they only write about one set th- thing. Um, but you know, and I know I'm being a little vague, but uh we recently had someone reach out to us and get an idol threat tattoo. Yeah. Um and we we had a conversation like in our van headed to a show about you know this girl that got what we believe is the first idol threat tattoo. And it's the lyrics from Simon, which is a very Mm -hmm. like outwardly Christian song. And, um, it's beautiful lyricism. I think it's the best work that Zeke has done. Um, but like this girl like got those lyrics tattooed like on her arm. And, um, we were talking about how like, she like had like a link to like the church of Satan or something like in one of her like, uh, socials like profiles and we thought it was just like interesting, but like yeah. the the take that I have on it is like you know this girl was able to connect to this song, like where does it lead her, you know, mm-hmm. like and it opens a relay. And, and I got to meet this young girl, and and she was really? very sweet. Um, I believe that was in uh the St. Louis area, but it it was really cool being able to open, you know, to sounds like a little like Christianese or whatever. Here is like yeah. open that season of, like, our band, and be, like, okay, Mm -hmm. like, this is connecting with somebody, maybe our views don't align, but, like, this is something that is beautiful, and is Mm -hmm. open to discussion for further, you know, uh, opportunities to connect with people, so.
0: Yeah, for sure, and, like, with Simon, I think the amazing thing about that song is, like, like you said, it's just, like, a work of art, lyrically, like, musically, it's, like, it's good, but, like, stripped back, so it's, like, it works well yeah. in that respect, but, like, lyrically, it's it's such a fresh take on, like, Jesus and his disciples and how that relationship worked out in that. So, when I first heard it, I was like, yo, this is a good tune,
1: so... it It's funny, because, like, we... if <laughs> and If it were up to me, just a drummer, mm-hmm. you know, we would be playing, like, you know like caveman beats and like fast punky stuff and <laughs> yeah. you know, loud whatever music mm-hmm. but every record does need you know kind of that ebb and flow yeah um feeling and I think it's necessary for heavy bands to explore like softer slower songs and for sure when we were writing Simon uh, when it came time for me to record my part uh just a fun backstory um I had to record it in three different places uh in the studio because we used a giant like uh like concert bass drum so i was just hitting that like one note like i was sitting in the floor of the (laughs) studio just like hitting this bass drum over and over and then we had to record the snare and the hi-hat separately too um so it i was bored out of my mind i'm sure (laughs) So I I remember getting through this song and being like, oh my gosh, people are gonna be skipping over this, and like I still like call it like our our skippable song, mm-hmm. um. But like I remember hearing the final version of that song and being like, dude, this is this is Zeke's best work, mm-hmm. like by mm-hmm. far. Um, and it, it's connected with a lot of people too, like Christian or not Christian. I think that's that's great. Like that's why you're well, that's why I'm making music is just to make that connection with people. Like Mm -hmm. you meet me where you you're at, I'll meet you where you're at, you know, like, um, did I say that right? (laughs) Um, but you know, it's kind of like (laughs) that whole, like, come as you are thing, you know, like you you just want to be there for people. So.
0: For sure. And then kind of segueing into this, usually we get into like folks faith journeys at like the very beginning of the episode. But yeah. like we've barely gotten into that, so I'm curious, what would you describe your faith journeys like? Like when okay. would you say um, was like an age where, like, you probably like always believed it from the start? I'm guessing.
1: So, so I will say,
0: or anyway, go for it.
1: Yeah, uh, like as a fellow uh, preacher's kid, I'm sure you know how it is. Yeah. But like, I was, I was kind of born into this world and. For sure. I you know, went through all the basic like like churchy uh upbringings, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it didn't really like I think the the more like intellectual side of Christianity didn't really get to me until you're like old enough to be accountable for like you know what you're learning what you're doing, what mm-hmm. you're engaged in. Um, Cause like when you're younger, I mean, I obviously don't know how exactly you grew up, but like with me, yeah. it was like, I was in, you know, a, I went to a Christian school, mm-hmm. you know, we had uh Sunday morning services, Sunday night service and Wednesday service. And since my dad was the preacher, we never missed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also like my extracurricular activities were probably involved with church and all that. So yeah it was always just like a part of me and there's not really ever been a time in my life I didn't consider myself a believer Mm -hmm. um but uh looking at just like high points like I so towards the beginning of COVID um what that was like two years ago what a blur um but that was when I actually was like baptized because that's what's super important in like the Church of Christ and like for me kind of being the quote unquote rebellious kid, I was like, I'm a Christian. I, I believe that, you know, this is right. This is right. This is right. But what, you know, what are the traditional things that I believe in and what are the like non-traditional, like more progressive things that I believe in Mm -hmm. and sifting through all that, it was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do this, but I want to make, make sure that there is a right time in my life to do that. And it wasn't until I was like 24, 25, uh, that I, that I made that step. Um, and ironically enough, like it took me, um, like leaving the church and, Mm uh, a lot of people think that this is an ugly word, but like (laughs) took me like deconstructing (laughs) my faith, uh, to be able to remain a believer. Truthfully, Mm -hmm. um, I say a lot of times, um, to a lot of people, like, I think if I had stayed where I was at, I probably would not be a believer anymore. Mm-hmm. But I left the congregation that I was attending and I spent more time outside of church with more Christians and with uh, more non believers as well. Um, and I think you do a lot of growing um, when you kind of can step back and deconstruct some things. Um, Yeah. and I know that that's a very loaded conversation for a lot of people. Um, <laughs> sure. but yeah, like I, I think if I hadn't left the church, I wouldn't be a believer anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but since I was able to step away from where I was going, that like, my faith is stronger than mm-hmm. it ever has been. Um, and you know, I don't think that we have all the right answers. I think we have a good tool to tell us like some things, but yeah. you know, uh, that's pretty much the quickest way I can go over like my faith <laughs> journey, you know? Yeah. Um And it never really ends. I, I mean, I know I'm, For sure. you know, everybody knows this, you know, like it's, it's something that continues until we die, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And as scary as it is, it's also a very beautiful thing too. So, um, you know, I, I think ultimately like they're, they're, is a God that created us and loves us and that Jesus was a very good example and we should try to live like Christ. Um, And if those are the brass tacks that I'm living by, then, you know, it's a good thing, you know? Yeah.
0: <laughs> For sure. What would you say are like some of the more traditional things you held on to and what were some of the more, I guess, progressive, as you called them, things where you're like, I think that's the right way?
1: Yeah, so, like, I I really love, um, like, music, obviously, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, you know, I grew up in a pretty conservative, like, Southern Church of Christ denomination, and, oh, like, the majority of those people are against, like, instrumental worship and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and relating it to, I guess, worship, but also, like, the music that I play, I believe that those are forms of worship, so, like, when I was younger, I would go to, like, you know, some of these shows. And, um, like, I, in particular, um, I'll, I'll mention For Today and yeah. Silent Prime. Um there, there are some things that I can't describe hmm. other than worship when I have felt them at those shows. Yeah. Um, there are some times that we're on stage playing and it feels like worship. Um, And I believe wholeheartedly that that is something that is taking place. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas the more traditional like Southern Church of Christ view is like, you know, if you're playing like instruments in church that it's like, quote unquote, wrong. And Mm -hmm. I don't believe that. I just don't. I let that go from my childhood. Not that I ever adhered to that belief. But it was just one of those things I was like, I have felt this and come to know this. I feel that this is right. Like, yeah. and, and, you know, what I've read from the Bible and what I've, you know, experienced and all this kind of stuff, it fits with this, uh, sure. you know, maybe relative truth or whatever you want to call it. But um, <laughs> that's, that's one of the big things. And then um, I mean, I guess like not getting like too much into it cause we don't have time, but yeah. like um, I don't know, like, I feel like the church can do better at addressing like um like like sexism and homophobia and stuff like that and um i anybody who's listening i would love to have those conversations like hit my dms or whatever but um you know i think i think that If we're truly going to live like Christ, then we need to act like Christ. And I will leave it at that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yes, I think for sure we need to be more having more conversations generally. I think something that I've been finding the older I get is just the more I don't like text. It's like because I want to have like real conversations with people. Like obviously... Over Zoom, it's like it's not the same as if you're in the same room, but we can like see and hear each other in that. So that's like, it's completely different from like texting someone. So I think we just generally need to have more conversations with people who Absolutely. don't really agree with at all on things. And see,
1: and and there is like. I mean, it is literally a a scientific fact that like when you are face to face with somebody, e- even like this, it is much better than just picking up your phone and sending a message or, For sure. you know, um, having a textual conversation because there are certain mannerisms, there's inflection in your voice, you know, um, there have been like, like, all sorts of studies that show levels of empathy um Mm -hmm. that people have when you are talking like this or when you're um like engaged more in like a smaller group setting rather than like being in a chat room online or something like that um and and i think that's where a lot of our generations have kind of lost touch with a lot of things because there is less, less, oh gosh, I can't talk, less <laughs> empathy uh, than there might have been in earlier generations. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's important to keep having these conversations and, you know, remain prayerful of them and then also, like, stay engaged within communities that agree with you but also disagree with you because you don't want to live in an echo chamber um and just hear the same thing over and over and over and over and over again um yeah uh before i go down that road uh <laughs> I, I mean like i you're you're a, a younger uh i almost said kid you're a younger guy like it it like i've been in your shoes before like especially as like a, a preacher's kid like it's got to be more interesting now and in, like the like TikTok era and all that kind <laughs> of stuff to be um a believer especially in this scene and then like you know navigating your way through that life uh and how you're ingraining yourself into your communities you know yeah um, yeah not to like, like <laughs> this interview that was supposed to be zeroed on me on you but you know i i think it's really cool it's very very interesting how you know, I don't know. I would just love to know, like, and I guess we can have this conversation outside of this, but you know, I, I just think it's important for, um, people to know, like yeah, you're the host of this podcast. So like, how, how do you deal with all this stuff?
0: Well, first off, I used a brick phone only for five weeks this summer. So that was my Stick. way of being like, screw this. I need a reset. Um, yeah, I've, I downloaded TikTok like once and that was for like a week and I was like, nah, this is garbage. Um, so <laughs> for all you people who like TikTok, delete it for your brain cells <laughs> and all that. Yeah. Um yeah. I think Yeah, I dunno. There's a lot of things to it. Um, first of all there's like books in that, like there's a book called Digital Minimalism, which is all about um basically saying, um, the idea behind it is using technology for the value it actually gives us and nothing more. So like having conversations over text is far less value than a phone call. So, yeah. Um, But it has a lot of negative value. So it's not really worth it to have conversations like that and things. And there's also a book about um called iGen, which is all about folks my age and how we've kind of gone off the cliff in a lot of ways. And it, If you look into, like, the studies in that, it all goes back to 2012 when phones were being introduced to young people. Um, Yeah. So, partly, like, they're growing up safer, so it seems like they're doing better, but mentally, they're not. And they really need more interactions. (laughs) That kind of ties into, like, another book I read called The Coddling of the American Mind, which is... I don't know if you've read that one, but it's a pretty well-known book, and it's basically like saying, um, we need hardship to grow, and we're not fragile, but anti-fragile, and it lists three untruths that are commonly believed, especially by, like, college-age people, so, like, life's a battle between good people and bad people, um, always trust your feelings, and... There's another that's gonna bug me. It's <laughs> so I don't know. It's like a lot of reading, and I guess at the end of the day, for me, it comes down to I want to live free and happy, and I don't think yeah. being addicted to my phone will do that for you. So yep, yep, that's kind of yeah. That's where I'm at with all that. So yeah.
1: Well, and you know, and I I heard this on a couple of your past podcasts too, um, like. I think everyone said, like, oh, wow, that's a great question. Like, you know, you're a really good, like, interviewer. Like, I was very much looking forward to this conversation because I knew that there was going to be some uh, more depth to it instead mm-hmm. of it just being like, so who's your favorite band? You know, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. who's your favorite drummer? You know, <laughs> like, like, I... I love interviews like this where it's a it, it is a genuine like human connection where we both can like learn and experience with each other. Um and I think that's really cool. Um but before I get too sappy about that. Uh <laughs> yeah, like I it's just interesting living in this like time where everything is just like so connected or disconnected through your phone like yeah. at the palm of your hand, you know? Like um our, our fingertips are doing more connecting than our, you know, like this sounds weird, but like our faces, you know, yeah. um, I would I would also much rather go to a restaurant, and eat with a friend than like call them. But like if I can't like see them or something, I would rather call them than be texting. Um, For sure. And I think it's it's weird because I grew up in the middle of all of that kind of technological boom to where it was like, mm-hmm. Oh dude texting. And I have a phone and like, <laughs> Oh, smartphones are coming out. Like, this is so cool. And I, I remember like you would want to have your ringtone and like all this stuff <laughs> and like kept your phone on like all times. And like now, you know, with my job and school and band stuff and all that, I'm like, my phone stays on don't disturb. And like, amazing. I'm going to get back to you when I get back to you because <laughs> I want to be For present sure. with who I'm with, you know, like if I'm at a show, I want to be able to watch the band, mm-hmm. my phone's not coming out. Maybe I'll take like a quick video or a picture or something like that. But like, you know, everybody who's listening to this, put your phone down at exactly. shows, go jump on somebody go sing <laughs> with somebody on stage, like, <laughs> oh man, like, put the phones up. It, it's killing me.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, for sure. And then At the end of the day, I guess it ties back into how it's not just like, oh, phones are kind of addictive. It's like, no, there's people making a lot of money off of your eyeballs. So at the end of the day, people, uh, it like sounds like you're saying something that should be a conspiracy theory, but it's not. (laughs) (laughs) It's like people are trying to take as much of your attention as they can because they make money off of that. So at the end of the day, um this is something I want to make a video about, but it's punk rock to be a digital minimalist essentially because you're saying screw you to a yeah. system. So,
1: yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I back you. Let me know how I can support him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, my brain thinks about how different things are punk rock. For example, lollipops because <laughs> first off, it's a form of intake in sugar that goes against consumerism because it's a bit slower and it doesn't necessarily satisfy you in a way where you would expect like a complete like instant hit it's more of a like slower more subtle sort of thing yeah your delayed
1: gratification (laughs) it's a bit
0: more like that like it's not like it's like not like you're it's not not like you're eating something sweet but it's not like i want to down this whole bag of things it's like more slow and (laughs) it's not quite as (laughs) consumerist. I'm getting into this so much oh dear and then second off like if someone sees you sucking a lollipop as a grown-ass man in public they're gonna be like who's this guy for sucking a uh, grown no sucking a lollipop in public and it's like someone who doesn't care about what you think because they're going to live their own punk rock life so yes yeah
1: it it absolutely is. There's no middle. <laughs> it's either they're the coolest person ever or it's a weirdo. Like, yeah.
0: <laughs> Yes. So, yeah, it's starting to get a wee bit late here. So we're going to have to like kind of wrap things up. But I want to, well, I've essentially got three questions for you. But like the main like yeah. conversational one I want to end on is what's something that's been bringing you joy recently?
1: wow um honestly i think it's and this might be the the dumbest answer but kind of like i said earlier like i love like fires and sitting around Mm -hmm. fires and chatting with my friends and stuff it's some of the best conversations you'll ever have in your life um but it is fall now um Mm -hmm. here in tennessee and um like you know uh the preds just played their first hockey game so Um, I'm going to say that what's bringing me the most joy recently is that it's fall and it's hockey season. And like, I know that I'm going to be sitting around a fire watching a hockey game with some of my best friends, you know, having a couple beers, hanging out, having good conversation. And that's, that is the sweetest thing in life to me. Um, So that, that is definitely something I'm very um, cognizant of and very, very much full of joy that i get to experience this yeah Um, yeah
0: (laughs) for sure that's amazing so like the other two things are what do you want to plug and what do you want prayer for
1: oh beautiful um so plugging wise just listen to idle threat um follow us you know like i guess on a personal level follow me let's you know connect about something um uh we're writing a new record i don't know when that will come out or anything like that but hopefully we'll be playing shows uh soon watch us on youtube if you can't come to the shows i Mm -hmm. i don't know but yeah i'm justin jones and i play an idle threat follow us whatever (laughs) um and then um i think prayer i just for i don't know i don't know that's uh i don't know (laughs) um (laughs) On a personal level, like, I'm just, I'm in a really great spot in my life, and I want to remain grateful um, of all that the Lord has given me or or the opportunities provided for me, Um, but also, like, I don't know, just, like, pray for Idle Threat and our um, growth and our connectivity to the communities that we have. Um, And yeah, I hope that was a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, think yeah.
0: there's a bad answer for that. I think I that's, agree a, with that's you. a very yeah. valid answer for what it's you just want hard
1: to when you get it. put on the spot sometimes, you I'm know? Sure. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been great.
1: Yeah, thank you. I've really enjoyed this. <laughs>
0: yes. Maybe you'll come to Scotland sometime and we shall have a game of street hockey
1: we're gonna play street hockey <laughs> <laughs> yes hi oh. all right man well you take it easy and um yeah do you have everything you need
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes this has been good yeah it's quality content
1: it. yeah so are so you're like about to like go to sleep or pretty
0: much like I'm upstairs, and like all my family members upstairs are in the stage where they're trying to sleep. So ah, gotcha. Yes, exactly. So
1: yeah, because it's like middle of the day here. I'm like about to like go grab dinner with a friend. You know, like <laughs> we're yeah. not winding down just yet, but it, it's absolutely cool to me to be talking to someone on the other side of the world right now. Yeah. So yeah,
0: <laughs> yes, it's like ten thirty here, so it's like late
1: so yes uh well i won't keep you up too long but i really did appreciate this uh let me know when it drops and i'll share it around and uh, i think you're doing a really really cool thing with this too so thank you yeah man
0: thank you so much for coming on
1: of course of course god bless dude yes you too (laughs) take it easy
0: if you listened all the way through that, thank you so much. It's always a bit weird ending podcast, but I feel like that one felt especially weird to end because I don't know, just something about it was like, it was a good one. Um, So yeah, I really enjoyed that. And also with the coddling of the American mind, the one untruth in it that I forgot about in the podcast is what doesn't kill you makes you weaker. So Right. Anyway, you should all read The Cuddling of the American Mind. And yeah, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it around. We're not a very big podcast. <laughs> it's pretty tiny. So yes, that'd be much appreciated. Thank you for listening. There won't be an episode next week because I will be on holiday without my phone. But yeah, see you guys hopefully in two weeks. And yeah, thank you so much for listening.